This is Instant Game Reaction, an immediate look back at the Colts' latest game. And trying to make an adjustment on the ball is Michael Pippen. He catches it, and he rumbles across the goal line. Touchdown, a 42-yard strike. Want to air it out downfield, down the far sideline, looking for Zay Jones, and it's intercepted by the Colts. Isaiah Rogers on the return. Gives off to Taylor. He's in. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Jonathan Taylor. Here's your host, J.J. Stankovitz from Colts.com. What's up, everyone? Welcome into another episode of Colts Instant Reaction here on the Colts Audio Network. I'm J.J. Stankovitz, joined every week after each Colts game by Ring of Honor wide receiver Bill Brooks. Today, Bill, we are breaking down a Colts 34-27 win over the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Colts have their first AFC South win of the season. They've scored 34 points in this game. That is their highest point total since week 11 of the 2021 season. The offense came alive in this game, but Bill, before we get into any of that, I've been dying to talk to you about this ever since, um, and actually I'm going to spike the football on this in a little bit. Greg Rakestraw can back me up on this, but I'm in the PA booth, and it's third and 13 with 23 seconds to go, and I see Jacksonville's in single high. You got press coverage in Alec Pierce, and I go, just throw Alec the ball. And I, I didn't, you know... I didn't say that to the whole stadium, obviously, but right. I said that to uh, our, the, the group of folks, including our spotter, Dave, and then Greg in that room. And lo and behold, Matt Ryan threw Alec Pierce the football, 32-yard touchdown, the game winner. Bill, generally speaking on that play, what did you see? What made that play successful from a wide receiver standpoint? First of all, from a wide receiver standpoint, you saw that it was single high, so you knew that you had one-on-one coverage with the corner. And with that, the best thing you can do for yourself is make sure you get a good release. And that's one of the most important things uh, in beating one-on-one coverage, especially press coverage up tight. And Alec did a nice job of beating press coverage. And then once he beat press coverage, he had him on the trail pretty much. Shaquille Griffith was trailing him. And then all Matt had to do was just put up there and, um, Shaquille was just in recovery mode ever since he got beat off the uh, line of scrimmage by Alec. And then Alec made a nice job of going up, getting the ball, and holding on to the ball. And Shaquille fell to the ground, and that's touchdown. Now, for me, I didn't think that um, – I didn't know Frank would go for it on third down and go for a touchdown. I thought maybe we'd do something a little more conservative and uh, increase the field position, maybe kick a field goal and go ahead. But uh, – Give those guys credit for Matt having faith and confidence in Alec and uh, Frank having faith and confidence in those guys. And those guys executed the play and made it happen, and that was the that was the game. So after the game, we had a chance to talk to Alec Pierce, and he said that he got to his spot, and he looked over on the sideline. And, you know, after identifying, all right, we got press coverage, we got single high, we got the look we want, he looks over, and Reggie Wayne just kind of goes, hey, be patient with your release. Uh, and Alec earlier in the game, he told us that there, there was a go ball. I think it looked like Matt Ryan might've underthrown it a little bit, but Alec said he didn't get good leverage on it. Mm-hmm. And after that, he comes back to the sideline and Reggie tells him, Hey, you know, with your releases, you, you know, you need to kind of run through contact a little bit. Don't just try to run around the guy, run through contact. So he gets that piece of coaching from Reggie. Then here, Reggie says, Hey man, be patient. Essentially, if you get a clean release on this play, don't, you know, don't be overexcited 
and, you know, just try to like blow past him, like get a clean release and the ball's going to come your way. That was kind of the message just with that little hand signal that Reggie gave Pierce. That's exactly what happened. Alex's release on that play was outstanding. And it creates just that little bit of separation that when you got a guy like Alec Pierce, who is a go up and get it type of a guy who can win those 50-50 balls, that, that's all he needed. And it was a beautiful, beautiful play by Alec and then a great throw by Matt Ryan. Yeah, it was. it was. It was a great play. And when you have a release like that, when you beat your guy, you know, one of the things you're taught as wide receiver is kind of what they call stack, restack, get back over your original line of scrimmage. Because more than likely on press coverage, you're going to have to go a little wider than what your original uh, alignment is on, on the snap of the ball. So you want to kind of restack yourself, get close as possible back to your original line of scrimmage as far as where you started from. That way you give yourself more room on the sideline, gives mm-hmm. the quarterback more room to throw the ball uh, to the receiver. And Alec did a nice job of that. And and being patient, sometimes when you see that one-on-one coverage and you see him uh, a single high, sometimes you do get a little excited that, you know, I got to beat him right away, I got to beat him right away, let me go. And then sometimes you're not patient, as Reggie was uh, signaling to Alec about being patient. I'm being patient, and it worked out perfectly for uh, for the Colts' offense and the play that was executed. I won't say perfectly, but it was executed as good as you possibly can do in, uh, uh, out there during that time. And nice catch by Alec and touchdown, and the game's over for the most part. I think that's a really interesting point, Bill, and this is why I love doing this with you because you played wide receiver and you played it at a high level. But talking about getting back into your stack, so Alec gets the outside release, but instead of running toward the sideline, he really rounds his route off and then just kind of he runs in a straight line vertical uh, instead of taking it so close to the sideline that it it increases the difficulty for Matt Ryan. It isn't until kind of right at the end where he comes down to the ball, that's when he goes to the sideline. Exactly. And that's such a little nuance to this that I, I, I didn't pick that up the first time I watched it or the second time or the third time, but now like the, this is the, probably the 10th time I've watched this play. I'm watching it, and I'm like, yeah, it's exactly what he did. That right there, I think there are probably a lot of rookie receivers in the league who, okay, you get the release, and now it's like, great, all right. And and you kind of lose sight and track of where you are in the field. But for Alec to have that, just that level of detail on it, to, to turn a 50-50 ball into essentially a high percentage throw for Matt Ryan, you love where that that puts Alec Pierce six games into his NFL career. Yeah, as far as for Alec to have that right there at that time in, in his career, as far as being so, I would say, probably ahead of what you would think a young player should be, I think that's great for Alec because most players at this time, you know, sixth game of your rookie year, you're not as poised, so to speak, uh, playing the game. You want to rush things. Um, you, you don't pay attention to details as much. I mean, you pay attention to details, but sometimes it's hard to execute uh, those little things as far as the intricacies of, of being patient and, and running your route correctly and properly. And, and it's, it's, it's not easy to do to be patient when you're a guy that wants to win and win at the line of scrimmage and win quickly. So for Alex to have that and to be patient and to uh, – to, to do it in a game situation, that speaks volumes of the young man of how he learns, how smart he is, and what he's doing out there in the football field and what he's doing on the practice field because what he's doing is taking what he's, what he's doing on the practice field and in the classroom out to the, uh, to the game field. 
and that's not an easy thing to do. So uh, Alec is on his way. Um, the young man has the talent. Um, he has the mindset. And he def definitely has the physical ability to go out there and play at a high level in the National Football League. One other thing, Bill, on this play before we kind of get into the rest of the offense, but um, the, the Jaguars had an overload front, and they ran a stunt. Those are the two things that absolutely killed the Colts in week two. But on it, Ryan Kelly and Quentin Nelson do a great job passing off the interior stunt between Corey Peters and Roy Roberts and Harris. They, they stop those guys. Uh, there's still some pressure. Devon Hamilton gets by Matt Pryor on the play, but Matt Ryan still has enough time to get that pass off with the, the accuracy that he needed it to be, uh, needed to have on that play. So uh, over the course of this game, you know, Matt Ryan was not sacked. And just to, to see that growth from week two to week six, where, all right, this is the 58th pass attempt of the game. And <laughs> we are confident, not only in our quarterback and our wide receiver, but in the protection, because you take a sack on that play, Bill, all of a sudden, you go from about a 50-yard field goal, and now you're asking Chase McLaughlin to maybe make a 57, 58, 60-yard field goal to win the game. There was risk involved there, but you could tell why Frank. You can see why Frank Reich was confident not only in the the quarterback and the receiver, but in the offensive lineman blocking up that play because of what they had done over the course of the game, and then what they did on that play. Exactly. For basically that play, that play had to work and everyone had to execute their responsibility. So the operation of that play had to be flawless. And that, when I say flawless, I mean the snap to the quarterback, the play of the offensive line, the other players running their routes, doing what they're supposed to do, the blocking, the, the uh, running backs assignments. And everyone had to be on point uh, for that play to work because if it doesn't, if it's a bad snap, if it's, um, you know, uh, Matt doesn't get the ball out in time or Alec doesn't run the right route or he gets stuffed the line of scrimmage, all those things, there could be problems there. So uh, give credit to Frank and having confidence in the offensive unit and the offensive unit going out there and executing the play. And then when you do things right and you execute the play, usually good things happen. And that's how the coach scored the touchdown. Yeah, you know, you just love that aggressiveness and, and the fact that it was earned aggressiveness. It wasn't just, all right, like, you know, we've scored nine points in this game. Let's just run a go about Alec. It was, no, we put up 27 points. We feel really good about where our offense is, especially our passing offense. Let's go try to win this game. Let's not try to rely on a field goal, um, you know, for as good as Chase McLaughlin has been this year. If you have a chance to go score a touchdown late in the game, go do it. And I love that the Colts did that. I love that they... They had, again, the confidence and the trust in every single player on the field to go make that play, and, and they absolutely did it. Um, exactly. And one thing I want to say about that is, and that makes the players feel good, knowing that the coach has confidence in them, that they can go out there and execute a play, that they want to go out there and not just score a field goal and, and you know win the game, hopefully, but we can go out there and score a touchdown, put even more pressure on the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, for trying to respond to what the Colts had just did in scoring a touchdown. So that does that goes a long way in the locker room for the players and how they feel. And uh, not that they really need that uh, from what uh, how they feel about Frank anyway, because they, they have a lot of confidence in Frank and they really believe in Frank and trust in Frank. Um, but it just still makes those guys feel good knowing that the coach has confidence in those guys to go out there and execute the play uh, and crunch 
time in crucial situations. Yeah, that's a great point, Bill. And, uh, you know, I know you've experienced over your career where that, that's got to be reinforcing to have yes. your coach believe in you like that. And then you go out and you execute it. It's not like your coach believes in you and you don't execute. They, you, your coach believes in you, you execute, you win the game. That, that has to be very reinforcing for these guys. Yes, it is. Very reinforcing. And they know that when this situation comes up again, that the coach, the coach will believe in them and that they hopefully can go out there and execute it again and be successful as well. All right, so let's talk about, Bill, how the Colts scored 34 points in this game. Again, like I mentioned at the top, that is the most they've scored since week 11 of the 2021 season. And there are a number of factors here. Um, I think the first one is they didn't turn the ball over. And yes. there are, you know, a hundred different things that can go into that. But this is a team that had issues with turnovers in the first five games of the season, whether it's interceptions, fumbles, whatever it may be. And to have a completely clean game, you know, there was one fumble. Kylan Granson had a fumble. Ryan Kelly was able to recover it. Outside of that, this was a very clean game by the offense. Only three penalties as well on the offense. One of those was a holding call on Dennis Kelly that the Colts wound up overcoming to score a touchdown. That was the yeah. Paris Campbell touchdown early in the mm -hmm. game. Um, the, that, that right there, it, that, to me what this game showed is how good the Colts offense can be baseline if they don't turn the ball over. They can be efficient, they can be effective, and they can put up a lot of points with the way that they're able to play. Yeah, they can. They can do that if, like you said, if you minimize mistakes, you minimize turning the ball over, minimize penalties, when I mean, you do those things, you know, usually you can, get, can sustain a drive and come out with points. And if you're successful on those drives and, and get points, more than likely you're going to win the game, especially with the way our defense has played in the past. You know, today probably they wish they could have been a little bit better against the run, but um, for the most part, when our defense plays the way they, they do and they can create some turnovers, and our offense doesn't turn the ball, ball over, and we go down and we score points, we can win and, you know, give our offense credit as well for being very successful on third down. 10 or 15 uh, third down with 66% uh, third down conversion rate. That's that's awesome. That's that's a good job of staying, sustaining drives, um, you know, getting the first downs. So the offense played well. And, it, and it's, it's a good feeling because – this is what we thought the offense would be coming out of training camp. And now that we see it, we know that they can do it. And now they just need to continue to do it and build off this game today and how they played and correct the mistakes they made. It wasn't a perfect game, but I tell you what, they played extremely well today, and that's why they got the victory. So there are a bunch of different ways we can take this to kind of explain, okay, 34 points, no turnovers. The first one is the protection was really good. Matt Ryan yep. was not sacked. Uh, Dennis Kelly stepped in and played a fantastic game at left tackle. The plan, Frank Reich said, was for Dennis Kelly and Bernard Ryman to rotate at left tackle. But once Dennis Kelly got in there, they said, hey, he's playing really well. We can't get him out of there. Uh, Dennis Kelly, 54 pass blocking snaps, according to Pro Football Focus. Only two pressures allowed in this game. Uh, you know, Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly both had really strong games. And, you know, Bernard, or uh, excuse me, Braden Smith had a really strong game. So you, you look at how the Colts were able to protect. And, you know, to kind of go back to what we were talking about with the stunts earlier on the Pierce touchdown, to be able to deal with these overload fronts and the stunts that teams had just been spamming against the Colts all season of like, hey, you, okay, show us you can stop it. Well, the Colts today showed they can stop it. And I asked Ryan Kelly after the game, like, okay, it's a copycat league, and everyone's been copycatting 
everyone else over the last five weeks because you've had trouble stopping those. Now that you've shown on tape you can, what's that going to lead to? And he said, you know, it, it shows that you can't just rush five against us and, and let Matt sit back there and pick you apart. But it does mean you're gonna we're gonna start getting some different looks. So it's exactly. it's a good sign in the sense. All right, hey, you can't keep doing this one thing to us. But it does, you know, it, it's not like all right, everything's solved. It it means that the Colts are gonna see some different things. Um, but they might not see as much of the one thing that gave this offensive line really serious problems over the first couple of weeks of the season. Exactly. They you know they might see it here and there. You know, it's gonna come up uh, to see just to test them and make sure that. You know, they hopefully they they have the problem solved, or or they can do the best job against uh, what they've had trouble with in the past. But there there will come something different. Um, people will do some things different. But you know what? If the the team's prepared, the offensive line's prepared, uh, they'll be able to handle those things that come up. But uh, they will be tested again. Um, but it shows that they can handle this. They can do this. And if they continue to do this, and I know they talk about working as one, five working as one, if they continue to work as one as a unit and get some more continuity on, the, on that offensive line, you know, I think what we saw today is what we're going to see in the future. I'm not saying we're going to throw the ball 58 times, but I think you'll see the efficiency of the offense um, in the future like you saw today. They're moving the ball down the field, getting first downs and making big plays with – you know, Jelani Woods and um, Paris Campbell and and also uh, uh, Michael Pittman making big plays So and Alec Pierce scoring touchdowns. So I think you'll see a lot of that. And then, you know, hopefully Jonathan Taylor is back healthy and Naheem mm -hmm. Hines is back healthy. So you'll have more weapons to use out there, um, and then it will make it a lot more difficult for the defense to try to stop the offense. Uh, another thing that really worked well for the Colts today that, you know, helped the offensive line was going up-tempo. And, yes. and, and the Colts really leaned into that this week. That was an emphasis they put in practice during the week. I think that's one of those things where, you know, you think back to the Colts getting this mini buy after the Broncos game, and you kind of look at some things and say, all right, you know, for this game against Jacksonville, the way that, you know, that front seven that's just full of just like gremlins with like Josh <laughs> Allen and Trayvon Walker and Devin Lloyd's a really good player. Like they've got some dudes there. All right, but if we go up-tempo, you know, Ryan Kelly said it. He said, I'll take a tired offensive lineman over a tired defensive lineman every day of the week. And if you're looking to neutralize some of those five-man pressures that Jacksonville sends with that 3-4 scheme, that's one way to do it. Hey, go up-tempo. But then the, the other part of it is got to complete your passes when you're going up-tempo. you got to be efficient because it doesn't matter if you go no huddle. If you don't complete the pass, you're going to huddle again. Like it's so you got to You got <laughs> yes. to be accurate. Matt Ryan completing 72 percent of his passes. That's yes. a big aspect of this as well. Yeah, it's a big aspect of you have to do that. And I think part of it, as you talked about, was going up tempo, uh, getting those defensive linemen and defense of Jeff Jacksonville Jaguars tired. But also you're getting the ball in your hands real quick. So when you get the ball in your hands real quick, the rush can't get to you. And then also, I think doing some things differently. Um, running some more screens. You have a couple of screens to Deion Jackson and, and also to, uh, I know you remember the one to Kylan Granson. So you're doing some things to kind of neutralize the pass for us, neutralize the, hey, the guys can't just come to the field uh, with, the, you know, the airs pinned back and trying to get to the quarterback. Uh, now they have to look at something else and say, oh, no, if they do run a screen, I have to get back into the play. Well, you know, that's a lot more running for those defensive linemen and, and linebackers. So get them tired, get them worn out, and – when you do those things like that, when you get the ball in the hands, that frustrates the defensive line. 
And what they start doing then is I can't get to the quarterback, so I'm just going to go go up the field a little bit and stop. But you know what? They're not going to get to the quarterback, and that gives Matt Ryan time to get the ball out and give them credit. Give not only Matt Ryan credit giving the ball out and completing 72% of his passes, but give the wide receivers and the running backs credit and the tight ends credit for catching the ball and holding on to the ball. Because some players out there uh, during the game, Michael Pittman took some shots, but he mm-hmm. held on to the ball. Uh, Deion Jackson caught 10 passes. Uh, that's a lot for a running back catching the ball and show that he has good hands and he can catch the ball out of the backfield and make something happen. You know, the tight end, Johnny Woods, makes a big play out there. So those are the things that you're going to need to do to have an efficient offense that can move the ball. So give the Colts credit of executing. Matt Ryan throwing the ball, getting the ball out of his hands quick, completing the passes, the receivers making touch, tough catches, as well as the tight ends and running backs, and doing something with the ball once they caught it. All right, Bill. Michael Pittman Jr. had 13 catches for 134 yards. Would you like to guess how many of those catches and how many of those yards came with Matt Ryan throwing the ball in two and a half or fewer seconds? Oh, I, I couldn't guess. Uh, I'm sure you have that number, but I could not guess. <laughs> you could tell me. <laughs> Michael Pittman Jr., let, let me just read that again. He had 13 catches for 134 yards. He had 11 catches for 120 yards when Matt Ryan threw it in two and a half seconds or less. So on those quick game concepts, man, was Michael Pittman Jr. good in this game. He had 60 yards after the catch on those plays. Uh, Seven first downs. I mean, what a game for Michael Pittman Jr. The most receptions in a game, 13 since Reggie Wayne in the Orange Gloves Chuck Strong game. Uh, in 2012, which, by the way, if you guys have ironic, uh, yeah, right, I know, yeah, this is wide receiver coach. Uh, but if you, if you guys haven't watched it yet, go to Colts.com/video, watch the Colts declassified on the Chuck Strong game from 2012. That our that's what I was talking about. Yeah, it, it was that yeah. same game. Now, is comparing to that game as far as what uh, Michael Pittman has done yep. as far as since Reggie Rain, uh, unbelievable. Almost one year to the day. Go check that out. Great work from our colleagues Lara Overton and Matt Wilkening on that. But anyways. Uh, the, the quick game stuff, I mean, just to lean into it, you know, I, I'm looking at these numbers here. Alec Pierce, all three of his catches were thrown in under two and a half seconds. Deion Jackson, eight of his ten catches in under two and a half seconds. Paris Campbell, five of his seven catches in under two and a half seconds. Like, that, the, the way, the, the, the ability of Matt Ryan to process pre-snap and know exactly where to go with the football and then to throw it with accuracy so you get 120 yards from Michael Pittman Jr., 60 after the catch. You know, Deion Jackson gets 61 yards after the catch on on these quick game things. Kylan Granson has one catch for 17 yards, uh, all 17 of those coming after the catch. Th- this is such a good way to devise an offense against a team that has an, an incredible pass rush in Jacksonville. The plan was executed so well, and it, it just shows, I would have to assume, how good of a week of practice the Colts had leading into this game. You know, you talked about the good week of practice they had. It could lead to uh, good production for the game uh, during the same week. But a lot of times it's if you go back and look at the week of practice they had in the past, you know, you hear Frank Reich talk about them having good weeks of practice. You know, maybe a good week of practice two weeks ago is actually paying dividends right now. And that's the way it's going to be the whole season. You never know. When, when those good practices are going to pay dividends. And you know what, maybe a couple of weeks ago they had good weeks of practice and it's paying dividends now against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And if they continue to do that throughout the, throughout the season, you know what, they're going to have games like this where they go out there and play efficient and play effective and, you know, they can make um, 
a lot of games out there in the football field and be very productive. So th this was a game, Bill, where, you know, for five weeks of the season, really, the, the Colts' defense has, has lifted this team up and allowed Matt Ryan to have opportunities to go down and win games in the fourth quarter. Today it was the Colts' offense that won this game. Uh, you know, on defense, it, it was, I think, uncharacteristic is how it kind of felt where Travis Etienne creases a 48-yarder, Jamichael Hasty creases a 61-yard touchdown. Uh, Jacksonville couldn't move the ball on the ground in week two at all. They had one long run in that game, and that was it. Uh, this game, they're able to really get their run game going. Trevor Lawrence, I, I couldn't believe this, Bill. I was floored at the end of the game. Trevor Lawrence completed 20 of 22 passes yes. in this game. I 90%. Mean, like, but it, it never felt like that. Because the Colts' defense was so, uh, I mean, they got after him in terms of getting him down on the ground, getting sacks, you know, Grover Stewart, DeForest Buckner, Tyquan Lewis, and Afadi Odeniabo all getting sacks in this game. Um, it, it, was, uh, it wasn't what the defense wanted. But, you know, I was talking to Zaire Franklin after the game, and he was just like, you know, some weeks it's going to be us, some weeks it's going to be the offense, and this week it was the offense. And over a 17-game season, when you, you have games like the Colts had against Denver and Kansas City where the offense is not playing well for four quarters, but the defense picks it up. Now, in this game, you have a defense that's not playing well for four quarters. They make a couple of plays here and there. Um, EJ speeded that great play on the option on fourth yes. and one. That was huge. Uh, you know, Bobby O'Karake made a number of big stops late in the game. But for this to be a game where the offense then comes through and picks up the defense, when, when you're on a team like this that's still kind of figuring things out early in the season, and you've got now both sides of the ball having significant roles in winning games, what does that do for a team just overall during a season going forward? Well, you know that during the season that there are going to be times where, you know, as what happened today, you know, maybe defense didn't play as well as they want to play, but the offense picked them up and, you know, so-called carried the team to victory. You know, in the past, it's been the defense. You know, the offense hasn't played as well, but the defense has done their job to pick up the team and carry them. Special teams as well, you know, against Kansas City, you know, the muff punt, uh, muff punt by Kansas City, and we recovered the punt uh, down there, the stopping on the fake field goal against Kansas City. So, you know, there are different times. There's going to be different units. They're going to have to pick up uh, the, other, the rest of the team. But hopefully, you know, there's going to be games where all three units are playing extremely well, and you hopefully you can win a game that way and so-called dominate uh, the game. Um, but as a team, you know that's going to happen. It's going to be some games like that. You just would like for all three units to be functioning at a high level so that when you do play games, uh, you know that you at least have, give yourself a real good chance of winning the football game. Cold special teams, by the way, is really good. Uh, I know. I, that's why. That's why I had to say that because you know we, we always talk about offense, defense, but Coach Bubba Ventrone does a great job with the special teams, and the special teams are always, all, in my opinion, they've always been well prepared and ready to go, no matter what's going on out there in the field. The the Colts or the the Jaguars took over possession on punts or kickoffs on every single possession of this game because again the Colts didn't turn the ball over. Only one of them started beyond their own twenty five yard line. I mean, the, the coverage that the Colts are getting um, from guys like Tony Brown and Grant Stewart and JoJo Doman, who are all newcomers to that unit, 
you know, replacing guys like Matthew Adams and George Odom. I mean, Bubba Ventrone, he is such a damn good coach, Bill. It's so impressive. And then, I mean, the it's not just Bubba, but it's the, the Colts front office, the scouting staff, the pro yes. scouting staff of, hey, let's go, you know, swap six and seven round picks to go get Grant Stewart. Let's go sign JoJo Doman as an undrafted free agent. Let's bring in Tony Brown as a free agent in a move that probably got overlooked by a lot of people. And all those guys are making plays out here. It's you just you love to see this so much because when you make an opponent drive 75 or more yards, it's really hard for them to do to do a whole lot with it. Now, Jacksonville was able to do it a couple of times today, but over the course of this season, the Colts entered this game. They were fourth in the NFL in fewest touchdown or fewest drives of 75 or more yards allowed. Jacksonville's got some things they're able to do against the Colts. The Colts will not play the Jaguars again this regular season. Um, that bodes really well for where this team can go. That that special teams unit that has had a lot of changeover, not just in you know punter and kicker, but in personnel on coverage units, is still playing at a really, really high level. Exactly. I mean, when you have a punt team that can back a team up, um, you know, your punt coverage team backs the team up, and our defense plays well and, you know, makes them try to drive the whole field, which is very difficult to do in the National Football League, but it makes it very difficult for them to do. And then if you can stop them and get the ball back to the offense, those are the things you want to do. And that's, to me, playing complementary football. You know, each unit is doing their job to help the other unit out. And I, with, with our special teams, I mean, I, I'm very confident and feel very good about the Indianapolis Colts special teams out there because those guys are always ready to play. They fly around and they make it difficult for other teams to get any momentum through special teams. So give Bubba Ventrone credit and the guys that go out there and play. And like you said, give credit to the scouting department of not just getting guys for the offense and defense, but the guys that can go out there, the guys that aren't maybe your starters going out there and contributing a lot in, in, in vital uh, situations on the special teams to help the football team win. All right, that seems like a good place to end it. Actually, this is a good place to end it. The Colts scored on their last five possessions of this game. <laughs> How about that? That, that, that? that is a great way to end it. <laughs> touchdown, field goal, touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Doesn't get much better than that. Um, we are going to be back with you here on the Colts Audio Network, Bill and I, after the Colts play the Tennessee Titans next Sunday in a game that, whew, boy, you talk about week seven games that carry uh, plenty of importance. It doesn't get much bigger than this in next Sunday's game against the Tennessee Titans. Before that, though, on Monday, you're going to have Colts Roundtable Live hosted by Matt Taylor. On Tuesday, the official Colts podcast presented by WinBet is back. I'll be on that along with Maytay, Lara Overton, Jeffrey Garman. We're going to have special guest Tyler Dunn on that podcast to talk about his book about tight ends, blood and guts, a great read uh, and a conversation I'm really excited to dig into, especially after Kylan Granson had a pretty nice game today. We didn't talk about him enough. Inside Football with Rick Venturi is back on Wednesday. Know Your Foe with Casey Vallier and Bill Brooks is back on Thursday. And then we will have another episode on Friday of Colts Happy Hour leading you into the weekend ahead of the Colts and Titans. Anyway, for Bill Brooks, I'm JJ Stankovitz. Thank you so much for listening to us here on Colts Instant Reaction on the Colts Audio Network. We'll talk to you next time.